and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors at Providence Church. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples who live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing practices of our complementarian theology. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We are excited to dive in. I can't even think of anything fun to talk about beforehand because I want to talk about this conversation so much. Oh, my goodness. You're so excited. (laughs) I am. Aren't you? Uh, yeah, I'm pumped. No, Andrew's feeling a little bit worried. No, I think this is going to be a great conversation. Actually, you know what just popped into my mind? What? You could tell people your very weird habit that you have that we just talked about yesterday. Oh my goodness, you guys. I felt embarrassed by this habit because I didn't even feel like it was weird. But I have this thing that I can't throw away clothes. Like I either sew up the holes or I give it to Goodwill. And Andrew thinks that's weird. Here's what I think is weird about it. And actually, no, let me let me not say that. Because I don't want to be demonized here, like in pr- previous I know. episodes. Like when people say, I don't Man, have a strong he just reaction hates to on this. Her for yeah, drinking I don't. Water. This is. I feel like I'm being portrayed poorly <laughs> no, in this you're podcast. Not, you're not. Yes. Yeah, I feel it. Okay, don't tell me that I don't feel it. Okay, here's what I think is weird: that you said one that you would rather patch up and sew a an old sock together <laughs> than throw it away when socks cost like. 10 bucks for a yeah, like you true. don't need but anyway so that's weird also you said that you would rip it into pieces <laughs> and then throw it away which makes yeah, me i just don't I understand that like you're still throwing away the same material yeah that's true but like when i rip it to shreds it feels less wasteful and i'm not saying you have to throw i'm i'm all in on giving things to goodwill yeah. i'm saying if it's got a big stain on it it's right. ripped you're not going to hopefully go give that to Goodwill. You you go and you throw it away. No, I feel like I try to wash it. it and kind of fix it. And then I just like cut sure. a little hole and rip it up and throw it away. I don't know why. I just feel like I have to rip it up and throw it away. I do see that that's weird, <laughs> but I... Well, I'm just wondering. Maybe somebody else does that. So people can... People have been great recently about commenting more on this part of the episodes <laughs> than any other part of the episode, which I don't know how I feel about, but... <laughs> But maybe other people do it too, and they feel bad about throwing away a sock that has holes in it. Yeah, and so that's true. You could write in. I don't know. I've just never heard it. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not demonizing you. <laughs> I don't think you're a horrible person. I think you're great. Let that be known for everybody. <laughs> oh I'm not making fun Lord. of her. I just think it seems weird. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. I've never Let heard us it. know. I've never heard it. I do want to know if people do that. I just think yeah, it makes you feel better about it. So if you have a hole in your sock and you rip it up, or something's wrong with your shirt and you rip it up before you throw it away. Let us know because we're really interested. It feels like it will be very odd the day we get somebody commenting on something we're actually talking about (laughs) in one of these episodes. Uh, So you can comment on those things too. Yes. Well, I have hope with this episode that people will comment on the actual topic at hand. So today we are going to discuss the practices of our complementarian theology here at Providence. Last week, we talked about more of the nuts and bolts of what the complementarian view believes and the egalitarian view believes, which just to refresh your memory, complementarians believe that men and women have different roles and responsibilities in the church and in the home. So therefore they complement each other. Egalitarians believe that men and women have equal roles and responsibilities, regardless of differences in gender. So basically, gender really doesn't necessitate or cause any sort of difference in the egalitarian view. Whereas complementarians would say, hey, no, because we are different genders, we do have different roles and responsibilities in the way that God has designed us. 
So we said we hold to the complementarian view, uh, which is, again, that men and women are equal and valued and are elevated in the sense that we are both image bearers of God, but that our gender does create distinctions in the home and then in the church, which is the family of God. So every earthly family is a picture or a shadow or an image of the eternal family of God. And so just like there's specific roles in Ephesians 5 that men and women have in the home, there's also specific roles that men and women have within the church and how that gets played out. Right. And for those of you that are cringing right now and kind of confused, I would say go back to the episode from last week and listen to that and kind of our discussion around it, because we're not saying that women are quiet and abused or anything right. like that within the home or the church. There's actually a lot of value and worth and dignity for women. Right. And we're going to talk about what that looks like practically at Providence. But before we go into the practices and how this actually plays out, I think it's good to lay the foundation that women and men's roles and the way that God designed and created us isn't this unhappy domineering thing where God was just like, okay, women, you're lesser. No, actually, God gave both men and women a beautiful role to play. And we want you to be able to see that rather than sit back and think, oh, wow, women got the short end of the stick or, oh, wow, men are just like able to do all these things. No, it's not that. And if we actually focus on the differences between men and women, rather than on the ways that we are similar and that God has made us both in his image, well, then we start to objectify one another. Then we start to cause division. Then we start to act out of fear of saying, okay, well, we don't even want to get close to that. So, you know, women are created differently. So we're just going to make sure that they like sit quiet and don't do anything. That's not what we want. We actually want to say, hey, look, We've both been given distinct, beautiful roles. And yes, they might not be exactly the same, but the things that we do have are beautiful. And we're actually a lot more similar than we would be quick to think. Yeah. And when you look at the home in Ephesians 5, to that point, before he gets into men's and women's roles in the home, he says in verse 21 that all Christians are to submit to one another, that that is the posture, not just of a woman, but that's the posture of a Christian. And that's the sameness that you just mentioned. Every person lives a life of submission first to the Lord, but then also to one another. Now, then he gets into the roles in the home and he says how that plays out. How do we submit to the Lord in our marriages and in our home structure? Well, men are to be the head of the household, which again, I think doesn't just mean you are the one who gets to make decisions and are leaders. It actually, that language means you have the responsibility for the health of that household. And so that means that just like Christ, you essentially lay down your life and you lay down your preferences Mm -hmm. and your desires for the good of your family and specifically for the good of your wife, because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He laid his life down so that we could flourish. And it was his responsibility as the head to make sure that his body or the church was healthy and thriving. That was his responsibility. So he laid down his life to bring people in. Similarly, men, that's our call. Now, women respond to that with what Paul says is this submission to that sense of responsibility that the man has, which again, I don't think in the home that means that the man makes every decision or does everything. That means it's his responsibility to make sure the family is healthy and thriving. Mm -hmm. And when the wife is better at something and can do things that help the home flourish, then that's his responsibility to make sure that she's doing that and that the family's healthy. And it's her joyful responsibility to get to follow him in that and to get to use her gifts and her abilities to help serve within the structure that God has given 
the home. Right. And I think, so Andrew had done Kellen and I's wedding ceremony and we both left. And I feel like a lot of people who were there also left with a better understanding of, wow, God has given us both unique individual roles and both are very sacrificial toward one another. And we're operating in unity in the sense that we are both the same under Christ. However, because God has created us male and female, we do have different roles, but they're beautiful. And I didn't leave feeling like, man, I am so much less than, than Kellen. And Kellen didn't leave feeling, wow, I get to lord over her and do all these things. No, he left feeling, man, I have a huge responsibility mm-hmm. as a husband to sacrifice my life and myself and who I am essentially in different ways so that she can flourish, so that our family can flourish. And I had the sense of, wow, I need to be able to submit to his authority and leadership in order for us to work well together. That doesn't mean that he's making decisions all on his own. We're making those decisions together, but I ultimately am trusting him that he will keep our family healthy and safe. And we're doing that together with one another. So I think that's just a good foundation to set because I think really quickly we can demonize each other or others and just think like, oh, you're saying this about me, but we're not saying that at all. We're actually saying that God has given us different roles and that's not something that is bad for us. Yeah. And I think the important thing is more than even playing out a role, we have a posture of wanting to submit to the structure that God's given us. So in marriage, he seems to have given us that. And that has that has to be for our good because God is good and he's loving and he doesn't design anything for our oppression and suffering. He designs it so that we can flourish and for our good. And so we trust that in the home. And then when we move into the church, we're saying the same thing, that there are certain roles that men and women can play, certain men can play, like there's certain things within that, but we're trusting that the structure that we see God has given us, we're going to submit to that. So everybody's submitting to that design that God has given us. And we're trusting that because God is good, that's not to oppress or lower the bar for anybody. That's actually to help the whole thing flourish. And so I think that's the important like posture that we want to take coming into this as then we have to figure out, okay, what are these things that we see in scripture? How does that actually play out in the life of the church? Because our church looks different than a church in 40 AD, like in the Middle East. Like we're just going to look different. And so we need to figure out how does that same principle then apply when we have a church context and structure the way that we do? Yeah. So as you and Jared were planting Providence, did you talk about men and women's roles specifically or what that looks like? We did at a high level and on a couple like key things that were present at that time of planting. But as the church has grown, that has just kind of expanded opportunity. So as we've added different ministries or retreats or classes or all these different things that we didn't do day one, that has caused us to continue to figure out how does our theological view on this play out in this area and how does our grid play out in this area? And so yes, to some extent, but as new things have come up, that's caused Mm -hmm. new conversations kind of each time. Yeah. I'm interested to talk about this because we as a staff team, I don't feel like have even really had super candid conversations about men and women's roles. However, I will say, and I know for those of you who might not know, Andrew's my boss. However, I'm being completely real and honest. So I would not just say, oh yeah, I feel great and like (laughs) lie about it. I will be completely honest. But I truly do feel like in the five, 
five and a half years that I've been here at Providence that you and Jared have both done a really good job of making me feel valued as a person. And even though I'm a woman, that doesn't really matter. Like you give me the opportunities to do things and anything that you've corrected me on, any type of thing that maybe made me lose confidence or whatever happened, it wasn't because of my gender. It was because there's just something that needed to be rooted out or needed to be talked about or accidents happen, you know, different things happen, but I have never felt ostracized or outed or less than because I'm a woman. Whereas when I was in corporate, there were multiple times where I noticed it, where I heard things and where I felt different because I was a female. Mm. Well, that is encouraging. And I think that what you're just mentioning, that if you did feel those ways about either either being ostracized or looked down on, I think is the danger if you go too far in a complementarian view. And the critique on complementarians is that you automatically won't have women in your church that feel like they can flourish and, you know, and use their giftings. And so I think we do want to say, and I know a lot of people that listen to this are in our church, and I would hope for most of the men and women feel like, no, I can use my gifts here and I actually can serve in a lot of different ways. But again, I think it's helpful to mention too that gender is a piece of our identity. It's not our entire identity. Mm. So even when we're thinking about some of these roles, there's some of them where we may say, yeah, we wouldn't have a, a woman do that. And there's probably a handful of men that are listening to this that at this point in your life, we wouldn't have you do it either. Like, right. Because it's not only gender. There's a lot of character, yeah. spiritual maturity, things like that, that are also at play here. And so we want men and women in whatever space God has them at that current point, like to be using their gifts and any sort of leadership ability that they have at that point. And we want to like continue to empower that in the way that we see God structuring it, which means certain people are going to do certain things and certain people aren't. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And I feel like that kind of goes into how that practically works at Providence. As a woman at Providence, yeah, I feel like I can use my giftings. I still feel like I personally, and this is just me being honest, have questions about what does that look like for teaching classes? Because we just haven't really had an opportunity for a lot of classes. And so I don't really know, but in all the other areas and ways that we work at Providence, I feel like it's pretty understandable of, oh yeah, I can use my gifts in all of these areas. However, the preaching and authority and eldership over a church is reserved for qualified men. Okay, so it's probably helpful just to start there because to be honest, at Providence, there really actually is only one main role that we say is for qualified men. And I know in saying that, that actually makes us distinct from people in our church on both sides. So um, just because we're complementarian, we've had member interviews with people who have said we are too far toward the egalitarian side for them. So we actually do have people on both sides in our church that would say we allowed either women or other people to do too much and some that would say because we're complementarian, we don't value women enough. So we are, I think, fairly toward the middle in that because even in 1 Timothy 3, where it talks about what we believe is the role of an elder to teach and exercise authority and that that is specifically given to qualified men. So we talked about 1 Timothy 2 says that he doesn't uh, permit a woman to teach or exercise authority. He says that's because of creation design. And 1 Timothy 3 then says, so who are the people that can do that? 
well, it's these qualified men that can do it. So we would say in our complementarian belief that the role of an elder or pastor, because those terms are synonymous in our church, at least, that that is for qualified men who meet the qualifications for 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, who are shepherds in the church, who have a desire to have spiritual uh, responsibility over the church, and that the church affirms as the ones they want to lead them. So there's certain men that are called to that. We also tie the teaching piece, that authoritative teaching that he's talking about there, to the preaching event in a corporate gathering of the church on mm-hmm. a Sunday. So this is getting into the weeds a little bit with how we view the church, but we believe the the Sunday gathering actually is a unique time in the life of the church. It's not just Anytime the church gets together, there's a uniqueness to that gathering where there is an authoritative preaching that's not just somebody's ideas and it's not just some thoughts that a spiritually wise person can give you. It's actually the explanation of God's word in an authoritative sense. We line up with a lot of the reformed theologians over the last few centuries. They heavily believe that there is something unique that happens in the life of the church when the spirit speaks through a called preacher as he's preaching God's word and as we are then taking the sacrament of the Lord's Supper tied to that. that that's a unique thing there and that that is for either specifically elders that are currently overseeing the church or certain men that we are raising up to be elders that the elders have a confidence in to to play that role. So that's kind of how we make that distinction over um, that is for certain qualified men that could do those two things. Yeah, personally, I've never wanted to become a pastor. I think that that's a responsibility that I would love to continue to sit under yeah, and, I think- and learn from, but not want to be myself. But then also because pastor and elder are synonymous, just for me, I think, okay, God has reserved this area for a qualified man and that's okay. I think what I most frequently think about is classes of whether or not women are allowed in a church setting to teach classes or if they share scripture, does that mean that they can't share or something like that? Yeah. And I think where the rest of these things that we're going to talk about, the distinction that we make is not so much in a style of communication or are you primarily using scripture or not? It It is in our view of the church. So that's actually where that really is the foundation is that in the corporate gathering, when the church gathers together, there's a uniqueness in that setting that when somebody gives us kind of authoritative preaching of God's word, there's a uniqueness to that time that sets that apart. So when we start to look at other leadership areas, other ways of teaching, all that kind of stuff, we see that as distinct, not just because it's a style difference, but it's because of how God has designed the church gathering and anything else we just see as different. Now, I know that people have different views on that and that's totally fine, but it's more of our understanding of the church than an understanding of like preaching and teaching, if that makes sense. Are there other areas other than a Sunday morning that feel authoritative in nature for Providence Church? Not to that extent. I think there's a uniqueness about the specific gathering of the church to both hear the word of God preached and to take uh, communion, which is this, again, in the Reformed theology, it's this connection of the word of God preached and the response of taking communion, that those things are tied together and that there's a uniqueness to when you come together to do that. Mm -hmm. So I know I keep saying the word unique because I really do think that is a 
a space that is set apart in the life of the church that just isn't replicated anywhere else consistently. Yeah. So then when it comes to other areas like staff members, leaderships in the church, teaching classes, trainings, podcasts, you would just say, yeah, women can lead those areas. Yes, we do believe that's true because we don't see that as as an authoritative teaching of God's word and an exercising of that spiritual responsibility at the level that Paul's talking about when he's overseeing the whole church here. So, for example, we have 10 staff members right now, five are women and five are men. So we quite literally don't have a like disparity on like leadership amongst a staff level at this point. A lot of the roles, so besides Jared and myself, um, the other eight roles, the five women and three other guys are leading specific ministries and leading people, but they're doing that one as given to them by the elders. So the elders are calling them to play these roles out and to help lead in the church that way. But we would see that as a distinct leadership than the actual like overall responsibility for the whole church and the authoritative teaching that comes with it. So you're leading serving teams, which some of your team leads are men. And we don't see that as like a misuse of roles because of the nature of what you're doing and what you're not doing in that. Again, connected to the gathering of the church. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And that's helpful. I do think sometimes I do question the teaching part, especially because in scripture, now I can't remember where it is. We had talked about it earlier where older women are supposed to instruct younger women. And so it's like, oh, does that mean then women can't also teach men? Like if there's a class over the resurrection and a woman taught that, would that be wrong? Yeah, I don't think so because I don't see that that is specifically forbidden in the sense that like a class structure. So the the Titus 2, and my understanding of it is not so much a broad level like anytime some sort of communication goes out, but in a training in godliness. So this godly woman is supposed to train up consistently a a younger woman in the faith. That's a responsibility that women should have. Two, that men are called to do that for younger men. So there's this connection to not just a yeah one-time class, but a kind of consistent responsibility that older godly women should take for younger godly women to train them, disciple them, develop them, counsel them, so that they can be raised up to where a class, like a one-time thing, we, again, would just see as different. Now, we could be wrong in that, for sure, because there are other people that do that differently, obviously. But that's been our understanding of that verse, where we do, again, we're very grateful for all the different women. And, And when I say older, I primarily mean older in the faith. So I'm not saying only Mm. 50 and 60 year olds can do that. Like any woman that's older in the faith, and we have a lot of young people. So a, you know, 29 year old, maybe one of the older ones in the faith that's leading a 19 year old or a 12 year old. Um, But that is a responsibility they should feel and that they should carry out. And we have a lot of that, which in part is why I think to your point earlier, I don't know that we have a lot of women that feel I have no ability to carry out any spiritual leadership or any, you know, responsibility in this church because we do see that as a massive responsibility. We do have, you know, so even think about different areas of leadership in the church. We have a bunch of women city group leaders that are taking spiritual responsibility in in a group setting. You have serving team leaders that are are women. Even in this podcast right now, this is a level of teaching and communication that you're doing. And so I really think what we've tried to do is figure out what exactly was Paul talking about in that like restriction or in that like limiting a certain role. And if we don't see that anywhere else, then we want to allow whoever has the right gifts for that to do that, which again, 
I think goes back to the not making too much of a distinction between complementarians and egalitarians where complementarians say there is no similarities. I think there is. And I think women can have the gift of teaching and we need to figure out as a church, where can that best be used to help the church flourish? Right. Yeah. And on the note of pastors and elders, although at Providence, the role of an elder is reserved for a qualified man. Again, I just don't feel upset about that. But also it's because I see it in scripture and I also don't feel misrepresented. I think that you and the other elders do a great job of asking for women's perspectives like myself, and you have us in mind when you're making decisions. And so I don't feel disregarded at all, which I think is really healthy that our church feels that way. And I would hope other women in our church feel that way as well. And that's probably a large reason why this topic hasn't been something that has been a source of frustration for me, because I really do feel represented as a woman and I know what's going on. And yeah, I'm just, yeah, I don't feel like I'm completely disregarded at all. Yeah, I think, well, one that is encouraging because that is the desire, obviously, of our hearts. And again, we're trying to do this balance of we don't hold to the, you know, women's opinions and and what they see is unvaluable. Like we we don't believe that at all. But we also see that this this elder team is supposed to be qualified men. So we're trying to figure out what is the balance there. And I know some churches do certain, you know, governing boards or whatever that's made up of men and women. So it's not really an elder board. But where we've essentially landed on that is that with where we're at as a church now, we do. So a couple times a year, our goal, which we just did this this last fall, is having staff members actually come into our elder meeting and just share not only their ministry, but also their heart, their questions. Mm -hmm. What do they have so that we can hear some of that stuff? Obviously, all four of us right now on the elder team, we all have wives that we bounce things off of and not the you know, we're careful not to give like specifics about certain situations that are sensitive. But in general, just to hear from our wives, which obviously too, for each of us as couples, we're also engaged in ministry in the church. I'm hearing things as we're sitting down with other families or as Bailey's hearing things. Mm -hmm. It's helpful for us to hear because I think we need that. But we also want to balance that with, but we don't want to compromise on what we see scripturally about an elder team. And so that's kind of the balance we're trying to fight, which does cause a little bit extra work. It would be easier to just say, well, we'll create a governing board with three women on it and we'll just kind of do that. And to us, again, just convictionally, this doesn't have to be for every church, convictionally that didn't feel right. right. So it makes it more work to make sure that we are hearing women's voices, but we feel like that work is the best way to one, healthily hear from women and get opinions and thoughts and some ideas from from women in our church that are helpful, but also hold to what we see in scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have women in our church that are leading, that are teaching, that are helping train other women and also men in certain ways. I mean, if you think about Jordan, our city groups director, she leads various trainings throughout the year and that's for men and women and it's helpful for the church but again it's different than the distinct authority that you see on Sunday mornings and I think that's good and I don't feel slighted I mean being a woman I just don't feel like oh yeah I have no opportunity I'm like no I feel like I the world is my oyster and at the same time God has reserved this one area for qualified men and that's okay but I do think yeah, having conversations about it is helpful because we can be transparent and we can allow people to share their thoughts. And we know that our church isn't the same as other churches, but at the same time, we just want to be faithful to what we feel like God is calling us to be faithful to. 
Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to form disciples who live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. If you want to find out more about us, check us out at ProvidenceOmaha.org. If you have podcast topics, comments, or questions, please email us at formation at ProvidenceOmaha.org. We'll see you next week.